Cindy Sue Hunter ventured out into the LaSalle Mountains searching for Kylan and Crystal after learning of their disappearance through a Facebook post that Kylan's dad, Sean Paul, had made. Cindy Sue didn't know the women well, but saw them around town often and felt a spiritual connection to them. Feeling compelled to go search for them through forces she can't fully explain, she headed out on a search and rescue mission into the vast mountains without even knowing specifically where the two women may have been camping. The LaSalle Mountain Scenic Drive alone is a 103-mile loop trail and the mountainous areas has boundless spots to set up campsites. It would be like looking for a needle in a haystack. It's Moab. I don't know how to describe it. It's, uh, they kind of decide who they're going to, I don't know. They're, I think they're more interested in protecting the tourism industry and not getting a blemish on Moab. There is crime here. It just seems to um, just kind of disappears, you know, like we never know. There was a, a body found in a truck recently. None of us know anything about that body. Who, who was it? What happened? I kind of lost an argument with myself because um, I kept saying, how can I find them? I'm, you know, I've got physical disabilities and health issues and I can't walk very far and <laughs> um, I literally lost the argument with myself, basically. You're listening to Speaking of Crime. Hey ladies, hate feeling uncomfortable down there? Oh yeah. Is it worse that you don't know what's causing it? Uh-huh. You're not alone and it could be triggered by anything diet, lifestyle, or even stressing about when the next episode of Speaking of Crime will drop. Save a visit to a doctor. Our Palm Care Package offers at-home tests, telehealth, and prescription services for bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections. Visit palmcare.me to learn more about vaginal health. It's p-o-m-c-a-r-e dot m-e normalizing vaginal health. At the urging of Sean Paul, police went out on an ATL search attempt to locate for Kylan and Crystal, but were not able to find them. But as we know, one woman, without the support of a police force, without any of the technology or tools that the police have, Cindy Sue was able to find her friends within five hours. We asked Cindy Sue what compelled her to go searching for Kylan and Crystal when she didn't even have a clue where to start looking. I saw a post that Sean Paul had put up on Tuesday, which would have been the 17th. Um, I had appointments that day because I was being kind of told inside that I needed to go search. And I couldn't understand why I was feeling this or hearing this. Um, and I didn't honestly know what I could possibly do when the police had gone looking for them and couldn't find them. So I said, you know, I'll just check on it when I get home and see if they've heard anything. So I contacted Sean Paul when I got home and said, uh, 
any news? He said, no. I said, is this normal behavior? Is it normal for them not to show up for work or no call, no show? And he goes, no, only like if it was a Pack Creek fire, which we had had just a couple weeks prior. Um, he said, they always call. And I said, okay. I said, I don't know what I can do, but I'll go tomorrow and I'll drive till I run out of gas or until it's dark. And so Wednesday morning, I got up early. I went to McDonald's to see if they'd heard anything. They had not. And so I drove to Pack Creek first. I walked to that area as much as I could. I drove as much as I could. I showed pictures to as many people as I saw. I went to Geyser Pass next. And along the way, I'm stopping and looking over cliffs and in ravines and looking in really weird spots because I'm looking for an accident. I, I'm thinking that the girls have been in an accident. That's kind of what Sean Paul was thinking as well. He told me to look for broken fenders, broken taillights, um, anything that would be indicative of a car crash. When I was up in Geyser Pass, um, I was actually uh, where the restrooms, the first restrooms are with a park sign telling you where you're at, where you're going, etc. I my phone rang and the phones haven't worked up there for me for six years since I lived here. So I was stunned and I stopped my car and answered and it was Sean Paul. And he shared with me that he had just found out that the girls had told someone about a creeper dude at their campsite and that they were going to move. And all of a sudden my sense of urgency changed. Um, I started driving down Geyser Pass and there were two cars that passed me going up geyser pass so i literally put my car in reverse and chased them back up the road in reverse um one car actually stopped and i think like six or seven people got out and they were very cautiously approaching my vehicle and i showed them pictures and um told them the story and then i flipped my car around and went back down to the bottom and when I got to the bottom of the road, I was trying to decide whether to turn right and head towards the sand flats where Sean Paula told me to go or go left and talk to some campers that I had not stopped and talked to. I had pulled into the turnout there, but I didn't go talk to the people. Um, I can't really say why. I just had a weird feeling and didn't want to go talk to three different vehicles next to each other. Um, I don't know why, but I didn't talk to them. So I was battling internally again, do I go left, do I go right? And I basically was told to turn right, so I did. I just turned right. I went to Uwa Lake and saw two girls out there by themselves, showed them pictures, um, came back down Uwa Lake, made a right on the loop road again, and was gonna turn on Warner Lake Road. And I literally, the forces were just screaming at me to go straight and to hurry, please hurry, please hurry and go straight. So I did. I straight as you can go on a loop road that's all curvy, right? Um, I went past Whispering Oaks and another building on the right. And that's the big building that I could see from their campsite. I don't know if it's part of Whispering Oaks or not. Um, and I went across the cattle guard and then I saw like a flash of silver out of my left vision. So I stopped my car in the middle of the road, backed up, looked, and I could see a campground. And so I pulled in. There was a little tricky turn that you have to take once you turn in. Um, 
and it took me directly to this campsite and I saw the Kia Sorento and that's when I realized I didn't know what kind of Kia they drove. Um, so I still didn't know if I had found their campsite, but I was going to show whoever was there pictures. And then I realized I could see a hutch inside of another pet carrier, uh, not pet carrier, but a, um, like a pen, you know, that you would put up so you could keep your dog in it. Um, and I started thinking, okay, I think I have found their campsite, but there was no one around. So I called the police. I peeked in the window of their car. I could see the bunnies, hay and food and stuff. I peeked my head in the tent. I saw a phone propped up on my right, a red blanket and a sleeping area. I didn't see anything else. The blanket was this, you know, not placed neatly on the bed. It was kind of strewn about. Um, I didn't see, I didn't see anybody still. Um, I walked over to the bunny. I told her that I couldn't remember her name and I apologized. I felt really bad for that. Um, I told the bunny I couldn't feed her or give her any water because I realized she had no food or water and I still didn't know what I was in, you know, I didn't know. And the police hung up with me finally they pinged my location they said they were on their way so i called sean paul the father of kylan and told him that i'd found the campsite and he asked me if i could see the girls and i said no there's there's nobody here he says maybe they went hiking and i said well they would have went for a walk on this side because it's more flat it's not really hiking um grounds but i said i'll walk around and see if i can see anything so I went to the far right of the car and went over a mound of dirt heading west and um, realized there was a creek back there. And I never knew there was a creek back there. I started talking about the creek and um, I saw some Gatorade or sports drinks bottles, the small ones. The labels weren't on them. Some of them were ripped out of the plastic sleeve. and. Uh, and that's when I saw Kylan's body lying in the water in the creek. And so at that point, I'm asking Sean Paul, do you want me to take pictures? He's asking me if Crystal's there. I don't see him or I don't see her. Um, I said, do you want me to walk around and see if I can find her and take pictures? And at that point, he's screaming at me to get in my effing car, get my windows rolled up, lock my doors. Um, yeah, I had no fear up until then. At that point, I got scared and ran to my car and got in the car with my dogs and sat there for a while. And eventually I drove up to the loop road and flipped my car around with my flashers on and um, just walked back and forth waiting for the police. It seems like it took them over an hour. I'm not real sure of how long, but that's pretty much it. Um, they held me there for the whole day. Um, they eventually let me take the bunny home. I think I got to leave around five or six, something like that. Um, and, and they took me for a walk. They have had an advocate take me for a walk. And when the advocate brought me back, the crime scene was almost completely cleaned out. And I just remember being in shock. Like, how can they, how can they clean this up so fast? And how did they gather evidence when they've literally emptied it this fast? Like, I remember just being shocked. Um, did you ask them about that? About I didn't. 
the time, I didn't think about it. I mean, I remember being shocked and I remember saying, wow, you know, like, holy cow, wow, how they do that this fast? But nobody answered me. Um, if they did, I don't remember. But I'm sure that they, the bodies had already been removed by then and everything. Did law enforcement do a thorough enough job in collecting evidence and maintaining the integrity of the crime scene? Preservation of evidence is key at a crime scene, especially for the first responding officers. A police officer who is the first responder to a crime scene has to properly protect and preserve any evidence left behind, meaning that the crime scene should be maintained in the state that it was in when the crime actually occurred. A perimeter must be established and all access limited until everything can be examined thoroughly and all evidence can be collected. This process, of course, significantly increases the chances of finding the killer. Considering how quickly the crime scene was cleaned up in this case, we don't know if evidence was properly preserved or not. We wondered if Cindy Sue remembered seeing any evidence or anything that may have belonged to the murderer when she first arrived at the crime scene. I don't know. I saw... Uh when I went to go over the mound of dirt to the right, there was a group of trees. And I realized, because when I looked in it, I'm like, ooh, that's kind of creepy. Somebody could be in there. And I saw a, like a gallon bag, uh, baggie. It was empty, but it, there was a gallon baggie in there and possibly some other debris. But I never really saw anything because you have to remember you know, Sean Paul was like, you need to get back in your car now. He could still be there. And uh, it didn't dawn on me till later because she obviously had been gone for a while. Um, that it would be silly for anyone to still be there. Uh, wouldn't make much sense, but that fear got set in. And so, yeah, part yeah. of me wishes I would have... Uh, walked around more part of me wishes I would have taken more pictures not more but pictures because all I did was take pictures from the road uh, while I was up there waiting could the Gatorade bottles have DNA on them could they belong to the perpetrator or did Kylan and Crystal like to drink Gatorade that I don't know I, I don't know their personal um, you know I knew them as customers at my store and I considered them friends but I never hung out with them or anything I just knew them from coming into my store and then going into the Moonflower, I would see Kylan there on a pretty regular basis. We asked her why she went out there all alone and didn't take someone with her just for the sake of safety. Danger never entered my mind. I really, I thought they'd been in an accident. I had food and water, blankets and towels, and I even had some digging tools. Um, I thought I was going to find them in an accident and that they were so severely injured that they couldn't get to the road to get to help. I never, it never dawned on me that they were going to be um, murdered. Never. And I, I realized when Sean Paul told me that there was a creeper dude that was freaking them out and they were going to move, that's when my sense of urgency changed and I realized that um, things were going to be different. I didn't know how, but I just had some feeling that things were going to be different. Authorities have shared little information with anyone, including the families of the victims. 
We had spoken previously with Kylan's Aunt Bridget about this, and Cindy Sue had the same thing to say. Without any information coming down from law enforcement, it's tough for any of us to know what evidence was in fact retrieved and whether or not they are close to solving the crime. Of course, this is an active investigation and not all information can be made public, but we were still surprised to learn that information is not even being shared with immediate family members. We asked Cindy Sue if she had spoken to authorities or gotten any updates at all. No, they they don't they won't talk to me. Um, and they certainly won't tell me anything. So I'm not sure if they appreciate me or if they look at me as someone who made them look bad. I, I don't know. We just get these random warrant releases that become public, and that's how we find out things. People think because I found them, I'm entitled to victims' help and stuff. I am not. I'm not entitled to anything. I am just the person that found them. So they wouldn't tell me anything if I called. Um, the few times I've asked when I've run into someone, they just, you know, we can't tell you anything, basically. So I, I don't even ask. We've heard people say that Moab is a safe, small town, or that crimes like this just don't happen in a place like Moab. However, we looked up the crime statistics for the city, and that doesn't quite seem to be the case. Moab has a higher crime rate than the vast majority of all comparable cities in Utah. In 2019, violent crimes in Moab were 107% higher than the national average. Aggravated assault and rape are the most commonly reported types of violent crimes in the city. In Moab, you have a 1 in 31 chance of becoming a victim of crime. There is crime here. It just seems to... Um just kind of disappears you know like we never know there was a, a body found in a truck recently none of us know anything about that body who who was it what happened we heard a guy committed suicide in the left hand and but there was no gun how do you commit suicide with no gun <laughs> i mean that he shot himself but where's the gun uh you just hear really weird things it's moab I don't know how to describe it. It's, uh, they kind of decide who they're going to, I don't know. They're, I think they're more interested in protecting the tourism industry and not getting a blemish on Moab. And this has happened, and so their practices are kind of being blown apart right now. I know Brian Enton was here trying to talk to people, and people won't talk. They're scared. I just have to hope that they're doing their job, and I know that they have to keep quiet about a lot of things. I know that they do in order to protect the integrity of the case. There's many things that have now been revealed that I never shared publicly, like the cell phone being in the tent. Um, I never told anyone that the girls were found in water that was revealed by you know, the police. So I've kept my mouth shut about a lot of stuff and I still am because I don't wanna, I don't wanna interfere with the investigation. I'm hoping that in spite of the fact that they were in water, in fact, uh, that it rained and hailed every day that they were out there laying exposed, that they were able to gather enough evidence that they can hopefully catch whoever did this. I heard they have a huge list of suspects, the uh, investigator does, and just got to hope they're doing their jobs and that they've got what they need to make it happen. 
As a result of everything that has happened, Cindy Sue no longer feels safe in her own hometown, the place she was born and is planning on leaving. I can't go into specifics because I live here. Um, I'm planning on leaving, but I honestly, I don't feel safe. And a lot of times I don't feel protected. At one point, uh, they had asked me if I would like them to have an officer come by my house once in a while so I would feel safe since this happened. And I said that I would, yes. And uh, they said, well, you realize that'll take away from our already depleted force. And I said, forget it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, and at that time they were down eight officers and I believe we've either had three or four officers since that happened that have either gone on leave, been fired or have left the Moab area. So they're down, I think 12 officers now. And I don't think our force is that big. There's only 3 million people here. On the Moab Police Department website, it states this. Moab City Police Department currently consists of 21 employees, including 15 officers and six civil employees. Headed by the Chief of Police with a Lieutenant Second in Command, the department has two sergeants, three detectives, and eight patrol officers. As we know, Moab Police Chief Brett Edge has taken a leave of absence as his department faces a formal investigation into its handling of the police stop involving Brian and Gabby weeks before Gabby's disappearance and death. Moab's acting police chief, Braden Palmer, said the department is taking steps to improve after getting criticized for how it handled the incident with Brian and Gabby that we've all seen on the body cam footage. Braden, who has only been in this role since Chief Edge has been out on leave since the end of September, says his goal is to ensure the department will be better equipped going forward. At the time Braden took over the police department, the force only had 11 sworn officers. Two of Moab's police officers, Daniel Robbins and Eric Pratt, are under investigation for how they handled the August 12th altercation between Brian and Gabby. Braden said, it's been hard on my staff. It's been hard on all of us. And those aren't the only issues the police department has been facing. The department came under scrutiny recently because they charged thousands of dollars to release the body cam footage of the police stop with Brian and Gabby that took place outside of Arches National Park. Utah public records law does not allow per video fees to be charged. The law states that agencies can only charge for actual costs of providing a record. City spokesperson Lisa Church said, Even if one person were charged a fee, once that document is created, everybody else should not have been charged. The department charged $98 to 30 separate entities for the footage, the majority of them being news organizations. When the Tribune requested body camera footage from Moab on September 16th, a representative responded saying that the newspaper would need to pay a $98 video processing fee for review and redaction of protected information involved in the video. But at that point, records show Moab had already charged 23 other organizations the same processing fee for the footage, meaning that the footage had to have already been reviewed and redacted for release. Moab is now making it right and refunding these fees.
The initial suspect list that the private investigator, Jason Jensen, is working through is all thanks to Sean Paul setting up his clue booth and collecting all the clues he could immediately after the murders occurred. Cindy Sue said what her friend Sean Paul did was remarkable, and she didn't know how he had it in him to set up a booth day after day and search for his daughter's killer. I don't know how he, how he did it, honestly. It was heartbreaking to see him out there every day. And understandably, I get why he was doing it. I mean, it's like he said, one day is too long not knowing who did this. And we're coming up on three months. Recently, Cindy Sue went back to where she found the bodies. Something she said she once again felt compelled to do and will most likely do again. So I've had this feeling for a while that I need to go sit and be there. Um, But specifically, I needed to go sit and be where Crystal's body was found, but I have no idea where her body was found. Um, So I went up and met another lady that I know there, and uh, another couple came up as well that we didn't know. And then there were some campers there that had no idea that they were camping at the spot. And um, so it was too busy for me to to do what I felt like I needed to do. Um, but I also needed to, uh, I'm working on overcoming my fear of going on walks and stuff. Because uh, I used to walk all the time and I would take my dogs up there three to, at least three times a week on walks. And in two months, I've only, I think, been on five walks um, just because I'm afraid. And so, yeah, it was a part of my healing and and it's really helped. Uh, I plan on going back up there. I just don't know when, but I do want to go back up there. I mean, I had moments where I felt, uh, I don't know what to even call it. I I guess anxiety um, rising and I just kind of breathe and just center myself in that moment. And then I was, I'd be okay. But I, I mean, they, they were at a beautiful spot. They they picked a great place to go. <laughs> I, when I find little spots like that, I call them my little fairy gardens, and it's really what it was like. It's just so beautiful where they were at. So, not that yeah. that makes what happened to them any better, but it's a beautiful, beautiful location. We made a stone cross. What we need now is for everyone to share Kylan and Crystal's story. We need people to tell their family and friends, anyone and everyone they know, in hopes that someone who was in the Moab area on or around the dates that Kylan and Crystal were brutally murdered will come forward and share their photos and videos. With the large number of tourists that Moab gets, someone had to have seen something or simply caught something in the background of their photos and just doesn't know it. If you were up there on that loop road, if you were taking pictures, if you had your cameras going, your dash cams, um, if you were just taking pictures as you're driving, check your footage, check your pictures. You may have a picture of a car at a campsite, a second car at that campsite. Um, That's what we're looking for. We're looking for something that was at that campsite. 
and we know that there was a creeper dude there. We know he had a vehicle. We know he came back with more stuff to make himself more comfortable, which means he might be a local. It's possible um, that people need to, someone had to have seen something. There's hundreds of cars that go by that road that turn off every day. And uh, August especially is a busy time because it's so hot in Moab that that's where the locals go to cool down. It's a good 20 degrees cooler. So I know that it was busy, you know, just from my being up there waiting for the police that morning, I lost count of how many vehicles passed me that went back and forth. Uh, once the police got there. There was only one car that passed me prior to the police getting there. And that particular car, uh, I don't know what make and model it was. I didn't get the plate number. I realized now I was going into shock. My teeth were chattering. I was I was not right because I was on the phone with Sean Paul and he's like, my God, Cindy Sue, what kind of car is it? And it was out of, around the corner that fast. And I just was panicking, trying to figure out what to do. Um, but the guy actually slowed down almost to a stop and looked at me, but he never rolled down his window to ask me if I was okay or if I needed help. And I thought that was incredibly strange um, because I was visibly crying, uh, had a stick in one hand and my cell phone in the other. My car was on with my flasher lights. Um, so it was odd that this car you know, that this person never stopped and said, hey, do you need help? Can I help you? Should I call some? I mean, nothing. He just kept going. So that was kind of odd. But after the police got there, I mean, all day long, cars, hundreds of cars. So somebody saw something. They just don't know they saw something. And that's how they found Gabby Petito was somebody looked through their film and not film. We don't have film anymore. You can tell I'm old. <laughs> Um, they looked through their pictures though and they saw that van and that's what we're hoping that is we can reach enough people that don't realize that they actually saw something so go through your footage please help us find whoever did this both Crystal and Kylan had dealt with a lot of hardships and abuse in their past and their family and friends have shared that both women were finally happy since finding each other the fact that their lives were cut short at a time when they had finally found some peace and happiness makes their grim story even more heartbreaking. We've been continuing our conversations with Crystal's mom, Beverly, and have learned a lot about Crystal, her life before she met Kylan, what brought her to Moab, and what her friends have to say. We initially planned to include our conversations with Beverly in this episode, but decided to bring you her story in its entirety. So we will have that for you next week. Both of these families have had such traumatic experiences in their lives that um, I, I just am gonna keep talking until they find out who did this. <clears throat> and I won't tell you what I want them to do, but <laughs> when they find them, <laughs> they had to learn how many um, crimes go unsolved. Like, I had no idea it was as bad as it is, but it's it's pretty bad and sad and scary that people are just running around killing people and there's nothing that can 
be done about it, or it seems like nothing can be done about it. I just, uh, it's really heartbreaking and sad. Cindy Sue has been dealing with the trauma of being the one who found the crime scene, the loss of her friends, and the many, many difficulties that she's endured as a result of the experience. She spent endless days crying and scared, has a hard time going for walks now, something she used to do daily. And on top of it all, shortly after she found the crime scene, she was diagnosed with COVID, disrupting not only her mental health, but her physical health too. She is finally starting to heal from the virus and is trying to piece together her own life, all while mourning the death of her friends. Friends in Moab have set up a GoFundMe page for Cindy Sue, stating that it is hard to imagine the level of trauma to find loved ones who are deceased, especially in such a way. For anyone who is able to help Cindy Sue, we urge you to do so, and we'll share the GoFundMe site on our Facebook page. While the public views her as a hero, she doesn't feel that way. It's been nearly three months since she found the bodies of her friends, and she is still dealing with the guilt of not being able to save Kylan and Crystal. Trauma from what she saw at the crime scene, and the emotional toll the entire ordeal has had on her well-being. They just were wonderful human beings, and it, um, they are deeply missed, deeply missed by many, many, many people. So I hope they find whoever did it. Yeah, I've had to... Um, acknowledge that I, I brought them home. I've struggled with people calling me a hero and stuff because I feel like if I was a hero, I would have uh, found them alive. And uh, sorry, I'm going through all kinds of therapy and stuff to help me deal with this. Um, but I am grateful that I found them. I'm grateful that I listened to the crazy pushings, urgings, forces, whatever you want to call them that led me to them. Yeah, I have a hard time explaining that because people are like, why did you go? And it's like, I didn't have a choice. I lost an argument with myself. <laughs> I don't quite understand any of it. And I, you know, because our connection was on a more of a spiritual level, if that makes sense, because I, I didn't hang out with them. I didn't know them on a personal level, you know, where you would say, oh, I know they like to do this or they like to do that. It was more um, of some connection that I can't even put my finger on. I mean, I believe I was chosen to find them. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, that's how it feels. When I think about uh, uh, anyone not knowing what happened to their child, I have children and grandchildren and it, uh, yeah, I would just be lost and devastated. I can't even imagine what that would feel like. So I'm grateful I was able to help them in that way. So thank you for keeping the story alive. 